Hi, I'm Melinda Poitras, and I'm currently under a blanket. Jay, I'm under a blanket like you told me to be, so hopefully that helps with the sound. You will be listening to my thoughts on masculinity today. This was not the plan, but here we go. If you listened to the podcast last week, texted, called, shared, anything of that nature, thank you. Thank you for believing I have something to say. Thank you for taking time out of your day to hear it. I appreciate that more than you know, and I'm always and ever humbled by it. One listener heard the podcast last week, and some of the things I said resonated with her, so she reached out for a chat. I was all about it, so I said I'd meet her at her address without in any way looking up where her apartment was located. I am, in general, very bad with directions. I actually called something East West Park the other day. I have since learned that that is not possible. Um, That one Ella Fitzgerald song resonates so deeply within me, not necessarily because I long for someone to watch over me, but because anytime I've heard it, I'm pretty sure I was an actual lamb lost in the literal wood at the moment of my hearing. I am just lost all the time. And the area of this address was specifically located in the dead center of my no driving range, dead center. I realize Most of you probably don't have a no driving range, but my previous no driving range was everywhere, so I think we're just going to call this an improvement. Anyway, I get there and I spend 20 minutes street parking as my friend Yolanda encourages me from the other end of the phone, and she's like, you can do this, you can do anything, you just download the app to pay for the meter, okay? You've downloaded an app before, you're so good at downloading apps. And then I enter this apartment and I sit across from this brilliant, gorgeous, accomplished, spunky, cultured person and she tries to pick my brain about making honest room for men at the table of her full life and extreme intelligence and my brain just keeps going, but I really just needed a man to drive me here. That would have been nice. Here's the honest truth. An instructor at my college once told me, Melinda, I would worry you would be intimidating to men, but then I think about how you legitimately said to me that your dorm room had gotten smaller because you painted the walls red. He was not wrong. I had said that to him because somehow it made sense in my mind that the color of the paint could make a room smaller, not seem smaller, be smaller. He was wrong in saying I painted the walls, though. Kevin Brzezinski painted them because the manual labor was less torturous than watching me struggle with paint and brush myself. I didn't even paint over them when I left. My friend Toby did that for me and left me a multiple-page letter that I still treasure. See? Men love them. So I'm sitting in this apartment, and I'm looking at this glorious specimen of modern womanhood, and I'm like, could I even catch a ball if someone threw it straight into my hands? The answer to that question, by the way, is rarely or barely. Those words rhyme with each other and are both quite applicable in this situation. And as I was sitting there mulling over gender roles, I thought about all the things masculinity is associated with at times. I thought about boys will be boys. I thought about the boys club. I thought about how I rarely hear the phrase, my favorite man preacher, but favorite lady preacher becomes an important distinction. Just all of the things. And I thought about toxic masculinity and I struggled to find the words to talk about it. And I doubt that I was eloquent. I've since looked up what that phrase means. Toxic masculinity. Socially destructive, misogyny, homophobia, greed, and violent domination come with that territory. Then, I looked up what masculinity means in general. Masculinity, also called manhood or manliness, is a set of attributes, behaviors, and roles associated with boys and men. Traits traditionally viewed as masculine in Western society include strength, courage, independence, leadership, and assertiveness. Hmm. 
It doesn't sound too bad to me. I have two distinct memories from my college years regarding men and doors. The first was during my first week at Indiana Bible College. I was carrying boxes into the building at the same time classes let out. I got stuck holding the door and my heavy boxes as boy after boy went through it. No one said thank you. My arms were not ready for that experience. It was a whole thing. But the second memory I have is from my first year as well, and it's at the time Aaron Anderson, newly infatuated with his now wife, Tiffany, took us all, myself, Tiffany, and our friend Stephanie, to the library. And I will never forget him booking it around the entire perimeter of his vehicle, running to open each one of our doors. So what am I saying? I'm saying that I can't say toxic masculinity or cluelessness or selfishness or self-serving behavior doesn't exist. But here's what I know. It's not the only thing that does. Luke 17.1 says offenses will come. It looks at first glance as if that references people hurting you. But I think in this context, it's referring to someone who causes you to sin. When I think about it, sometimes those two things are the same though, aren't they? Bitterness, bias, prejudging, not the best or most biblical qualities a person could cultivate. Interestingly enough, temptation and offenses have something in common. They don't stop. They're coming for you. People think and feel and say and do the wrong thing all the time. How do we respond to that? This is the question. I think what men do wrong gets a lot of airtime. And what if we flip the narrative on that and encourage and inspire them to be all they can be instead? Can you imagine what would happen if all that strength and courage and independence and leadership and assertiveness were channeled in the right direction? Wouldn't an army of confident, empowered, intelligent men operating in wisdom help women do more, be more, accomplish more than they ever could on their own? Here's another memory from school. Where I come from, you smile. And you speak to everyone you pass in the hallway or on the street. If you don't, that means you're either angry with them or you slept with them the night before. Is this the truth of my upbringing? Yes. Did I ask my mother to share this with my fifth grade class when she subbed for me? No. As Camden said, throwing his arms above his head as the story of mom's impromptu cultural lesson was recounted, Good morning, one and all. He made sure to say it every day after that as well. Anyway, I digress. Habitually, I would speak to everyone I passed in the hallway. And sometimes they would smile or speak back. Sometimes they would just keep walking. Just honestly, a lot of the time they would just keep walking. Old habits die hard. I was still myself, so I would keep smiling and speaking no matter what. Same path, same switching classes, no new results. One day, though, about a month in, I did not feel like talking. I grumpily rolled out of bed, and I skulked to class. I passed by a dark rain cloud, as each person who I encountered in the hallway automatically smiled and said hello first. I had made a difference. Change happens like that. Your viewpoint, your habits, what you let people talk about or don't, the behavior you support and applaud, it makes a difference. Did I do a thing? Did I just solve gender roles? No. But does steady, consistent, patient support of the people in my life make a difference? Does giving them the benefit of the doubt, forgiving them when they've wronged me, calling out the goodness inside of them, does that make a change? Yes. 
Besides, y'all know about honey and vinegar. Experiment. See what works best. But I'm thinking, ranting about what men do wrong, might work a little less best than encouraging them to greatness by magnifying what they do right. I bet that would be something. I bet it could be pretty far-reaching. Is it a perfect answer for what's wrong with the world? No. But it's a start. I left that conversation a more enlightened person, thinking of things I hadn't before, and before I threw myself onto the mercy of the vicious St. Louis downtown streets, I checked my phone, and our worship pastor had asked me if I would lead one of my favorite songs the next day, so I plugged my phone in, and I played it. Such timely lyrics that speak to how the Lord changes hearts when he goes about doing it. Your kindness leads me to repentance. You are so kind, God, that the contrast gently shows me how I can improve, and I feel safe to attempt to do so in your presence. Your goodness draws me to your side. You are so good, God, that I want to be with you all the time. I want my steps in stride with yours. Your mercy calls me to be like you. You are so gracious, God. You view me with such rose-colored, merciful lenses that I want to look at everyone like you do. Your favor is my delight. I delight in knowing your hand is on me. You see me, you know me, you give grace to me, and that leads me in a delightful direction. Every day I'll awaken my praise and pour out a song from my heart. You are good, you are good, you are good, and your mercy is forever. And I listened to that and I said into my empty car, why am I crying though? And the Lord whispered back, because you proclaim my goodness constantly. You call it over everyone you know. You believe me to be good with your whole heart. Good to everyone else. Because you think everyone else is worthy and you are not. You believe I'm good. But you think you're not good enough to deserve it. And you do not have to be. Just a reminder... You could maybe wrap around your broken heart and weary bones when your mind won't stop racing because the world is broken and your people are broken and you are broken. And if you're anything like me, you're breaking things. He is enough so you don't have to be. And when your patience and your resources and your wisdom and your strength run out, his kindness, his goodness, his mercy, they just keep right on going. We don't have all the answers but he holds all of us. So let's keep thinking and striving, changing and growing, looking at people through his glasses, helping them with his strength, loving them with his heart, harboring them safely by placing them in his hands. And let's all be better together. You've been listening to He Said, She Said, The One with Books and Bros. Hopefully something you've heard made you smile, inspired you to think, or called you nearer to a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for taking time. Thank you for making space. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same place.